0: you all are my favorite people people welcome to capital P and people work Podcast, where we discuss the intersection of people wellness and the future of work I am your host Gabby Lubin CEO and founder of spark this day the two-sided platform that equips employees with wellness and HR people professionals with data And today I am joined by writer, designer, Spark This Day instructor, and former corporate employee, Kit. This conversation I think is going to be a layered one because Kit really understands the complexities of burnout and the workplace. And I'm really excited to dig in. Uh, So Kit, on this pod, we value both the human and their accomplishments. Um, So tell me, who are you as a human?
1: Oh my gosh! That, I don't. It's, it's like when you get asked these questions, and you're like, "That's really hard." Um, <laughs> we
0: go deep quickly.
1: <laughs> yeah, you go. Re- I was like, I, I was expecting more of a build, <laughs> a buildup. Um, as a human, see, but this is where it gets difficult because what do we, what do we say as humans? Like, do we label? Do we label ourselves, or we talk about our feelings? Feeling wise, as mm-hmm. a human, I am feeling pretty lighthearted. So I'd say I'm a lighthearted human being. Um, and then label wise, like, I think the biggest label is like, I'm a mom, a new mom. And that's very interesting because that's really informing my life at a point that I never thought I would be informed by it. So that's where I'm at currently, but in a year it could be different.
0: Yeah. That's the beauty of, of humanness. We change. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you, Kat. Well, um, I appreciate for digging into that. Um, before we dive into like all of the jazz of people, wellness, future of work, which I know we will be able to talk about for a long time. Um, I wanted to ask what your capital P word was for today. So for example, um, every podcast we think about um, a P word that kind of just exemplifies the work that or how you think about the work and people work. Um, for me, it's been prioritized. Although I was talking with Jenna recently um, on our COO at Spark This Day, and she brought in the word presence. And I think presence has really uh, been my P word lately and thinking about how I go about my daily life and how I help people in our in our platform really think about the work that they're doing, particularly as um, right now we're diving into um, thinking about Thanksgiving and being present with those folks. So Kit, what is your capital P word today?
1: Well, it's actually apropos of something I was working on for the art side of things, but my capital P word would be prophetic.
0: Ooh, tell us more.
1: Yes. So I, um, yeah, I have my own like art stuff and I put it out occasionally like it's tis the season you know let's do some crafting let's do some art and I have a drawing that I did way back in college and it was my masterpiece it was you know what I put all my energy in my senior year and it's this massive giant charcoal drawing of a foot mm. and I had no idea why and I was like it's just a foot but I really was passionate about making this beautiful foot drawing and then it t- Turns out, you know, almost two decades later, I spent a lot of time connecting people to their feet and mm. to like grounding work and just, you know, letting them understand that we can't forget our feet. And sometimes people pass that off as like a minor thing. but I'm like, it's really big. It's a really big deal. Um, yeah. So when I was talking about that, I was like, it was kind of prophetic that I did this drawing. And for years, I had no idea why I did it. Um, and then I brought it out of the old portfolio this year. And I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Now I can find the connection. So connecting that to actually how I teach, I'm always telling people, listen to your body. Your body is telling you things. Mm -hmm. And I believe that your body doesn't necessarily tell you things in that moment, but is telling you things to prepare for as well. So Mm. I'll stick with prophetic.
0: Mm, That's awesome. I love that. I, um, I also learned through my physical therapy journey when only when I got injured, um, how important your feet are and how much information they provide you. Um, and it's really something that everyone should know. So if you don't know, if
1: if you have no
0: other takeaways, just go look up your feet. Yeah. They're magic. They're magic. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, um, why you found yourself in this work. Um, You started with us at Spark This Day um, back when we were working towards um, educator wellness and we've shifted that mission a little bit, um, really just focusing on uh, helping more people in addition to educators and our new mission as co-creating a world where burnout is the exception, not the norm. Um, With this new mission, why is it important for you to be participating in this work? What connection do you have to it?
1: Well, a shout out to educators first, um, just because I was drawn to Spark by my uh, memories of some teachers who changed my life. Mm -hmm. And in changing my life, they actually changed how I looked at my career and my pursuits. And because of these teachers, I was always able to take a step back, sometimes in the middle of the heavy moments, and really just think about, like, what did these teachers tell me when I was younger? And how can I implement that as an adult? So shout out to educators. Um, and in shifting, it was kind of it was very interesting to me when we did shift the focus because I do have specific experience to that corporate environment and corporate burnout, and then also following a path of pursuing like health and integrity in my life um, mm-hmm. through movement. So. It, <laughs> Our stories are similar
0: in, in some ways, yeah, just like very, different very, professions. Yes.
1: Different professions, very similar. Um, how I ended up here is I, I was always a movement person. So I played a lot of sports and I danced and I performed and I was always in my body. And as a student in school, I was more comfortable just moving around and making jokes than being very like a physical or a physically present person when I was in school which annoyed my teachers, <laughs> <laughs> but this is also how they came up with great ways to teach me. Um, and as I got older, when I went to college, I did visual arts and theater, and then I went to grad school, and it was an art program. And when you're in the art program, it was fine art. I was constantly moving. It was a physical manifestation of me just being this in this art program. So my idea in my career was originally Working in the arts, um, I moved to New York and I got into theater and fashion and then fashion translated itself to publishing and that brought me into the corporate world. Now, I come from a family where corporate is the ideal, right? Mm. You get that corporate job and that's what everyone's going for. It's the office job. It's the white collar work. So even though I would had my toe in other careers and professions because they were, I guess, physical people in my family and friends and people I went to school with didn't really think about it as a real job. So Mm -hmm. there's that idea of like, what is a real job? What constitutes a real job and the pressures that we put on ourselves to have this quote unquote real job. Um, So I had been doing that for about seven years. And then I got that real job in a corporate office and I committed to it. I really put myself into it and I'm kind of a type A person. So I like to um, achieve everything I set out to do. And I I pushed and I pushed um, myself, not anyone else. And I tried to accomplish all of these amazing things in a place that was not supportive. Um, And I was young enough to realize that I could make a change. So I went to a different corporate job. But I didn't do, I guess, the mental clearing before I went Mm. to this other job. And I just kind of took that toxic uh tone with me. And unfortunately I was not able to stay there because I realized that my health was just not being supported. I just had to get out. Um and there are a lot of steps to that, a lot of like red flags that when you're young enough, and, and I won't even say young enough, when you're eager enough, when you're ambitious enough, you just kind of put to the side like I don't, you know, that's not real. You gaslight yourself, like this isn't a thing. I'm just being sensitive. I'm, I'm not tough enough. I'm not strong enough. There's a lot of I that you bring upon yourself. You know, I didn't do the work that I needed to do. And I got to the point where I was tired of blaming myself and I was tired of putting all the load on me when, you know, it's a team effort, people work together, we can be kinder to each other. And that didn't seem to be happening. Um, You know, I think red tape and admin just got in the way of things. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And I had an injury at my desk. I, yeah. <laughs> I had to go to physical therapy from sitting at my desk too long uh, because I was in a place where the longer you stayed at your desk and worked at your computer, the more accolades you would get. Like, oh, she's really doing it. She's really yeah. working hard. Uh, didn't take breaks. Didn't walk around the office. Didn't, I think the most I did was like, I did do 30 minutes of going to the gym every day, but it was not a fun workout. It was just something that I kind of checked off my list. Like, okay, I got out and I went to the gym. I ate lunch at my desk. I took all the meetings at my desk, as many as I could. I can, couldn't could find time to get up and walk to a conference room because I was so busy and I hurt my hip. Yeah. And I think it was after that when I realized I played sports. I have performed. I've thrown myself around on stages. I've never injured myself. And I hurt myself sitting down this is no i can't do this this is the big now i've got to get out how soon
0: after injuring yourself did you decide to leave
1: uh it was about 6 months and mm-hmm. it was it took that long because i took the steps that they tell you to take which is yeah. i reorganized my desk um i got a standing desk something that we move up and down i walked around the office um I tried to do a little bit more movement, but it took four months to get the standing desk.
0: Oh, four wow. Months.
1: Yeah, it was a simpler, and they had one. They had one in the mailroom. I could see it every day, and they were like, we have a standing desk, but I had to fill out paperwork. I had mm-hmm. to make a request. I had to provide a doctor's note. I had to prove that I was going to physical therapy, and this whole time, I was, still, I, I was trying to figure out ways to work as long as I had been without hurting myself more so I'd be walking around the office holding a laptop um, and going back and forth to my desk going to the cafeteria to the lounge um, and just trying to not hurt myself and I think the four-month mark is when I thought this I've got to get out they got me the desk and when I left two months later they were really upset that they got me that desk (laughs) we got you this standing desk how could you leave us so yeah the standing
0: desk a standing desk is not going to solve all your problems
1: and I hope that they
0: now know that but
1: yeah but they they at the time they were like oh we they they were really proud of themselves they were congratulating themselves that they got me this desk after (laughs) Ah. after I made this request so
0: I I just want to pause before we dive deeper into the story Mm because um I'm noticing a lot of, a ton of parallels from my own life and my own career as um, an education. And I was younger when I went into it and had less sense of self, I think, than you probably did after having seven years post grad um, with a career. Um, yet I found myself in the exact same position of just constantly blaming me for not being able to show up or, you know, mm-hmm. putting all and all and all of my effort and time and energy into the work and only thinking of the work as who I was pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I'm sure that so many people who are listening can relate to this story, not just at the early part of their careers, but at some point in their lives in some capacity and some workplace. Um, what, you know, what shifted for you as you, as you exited first, like what did you do? Cause sometimes that's such a challenging, like I know for me, I was like, I don't know. I'll teach fitness cause that's what I've thought of and I've done before. And I like it, but it's not a real job. So we'll try it for some time. <laughs> I was in that real job phase too. So mm-hmm. what, yeah. What did you do right after? How did you, well, it?
1: it was really scary because I had cut ties with the previous work like I was still friends like so in theater fashion like film Um, like just kind of like in that network cut the ties in that network Um, my husband was still working with them but I was like I'm done I'm in this real job (laughs) uh, so no more production no more design I'm in this real job I'm gonna do it so I had made that commitment to myself um you know one of the catalysts of going into this corporate job is i was tired of the gig work i was tired of feeling like i was just really spending so many hours finding the job and yep. then more time providing free services to eventually get paid for my services which there's a lot of burnout oh, in the yeah. work
0: too there's yeah. a ton
1: of burnout and yeah so i so i took those steps to not burn out in the gig Field. I was like, okay, I, I still love what I do and I love the industry and I love these people, but I, I can't be here and I don't want to be angry. So right. I cut everything off and I was in my corporate jobs. So I had the first one for five years, and then the second one, the one that I was like, this is it, almost two and a half, almost three years. So there had been a chunk of time where I was out of it. You know, like I was still, I was still writing. Writing has always been a passion and still always did it. Um But I just, I couldn't bring myself to go back to that. So I didn't have that as my fallback plan. But one thing that has remained very uh, regular and like not supportive, what's the word? Constant in my life is I've always taken a Pilates class wherever I lived, whatever city I was in, where I was traveling. I've done Pilates consistently since I was in college. I love it, passionate about it. And I have an amazing Pilates instructor who I actually met through theater. And I was regularly working with her. She was my one, like, this is it. I just need to clear my head and go work out with her. And she had also gotten out of working in theater and she had become a Pilates instructor. So Mm -hmm. I asked her, okay, do you think that, you know, I I can't believe I actually asked her. She'd been doing this for a while. I thought she was amazing. So much respect for her. And I said, do you think this is a real job? Oh no. (laughs) I can't believe. And kudos to her. For not saying anything, you know, terrible to me about like, how could you say that like she was very understanding and just amazing in her response and, you know, just committed to like, giving me as much information as possible and telling me, you know, if this is what you want to do, these are the ups, these are the downs, this is the commitment So I told everyone at the office, I'm leaving to become a Pilates instructor, but I didn't really believe it. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I've got to give them an excuse. Some kind of reason as to why I'm leaving, because, you know, all the things happened. I put in my notice and then I finally got the offer for a raise that I had been seeking for a while. You know, things that they were like, we can't give this to you now. All of a sudden it became available to me. Mm Um, and I was very honest about it. I said, you know, I, I can't accept that because if I do, I'm, I'll am i be very angry if I stay, mm-hmm. knowing that it took me putting in my notice to get, you know, access to the things that I had been seeking. Um, So I, I guess, jumped ship. <laughs> and I, yes. I left and in order to become a Pilates instructor, it's almost like going back to school. It's a lot of commitment. It's a lot of training. There's a lot of it, it's, it's, six months minimum to do the training. And then you apprentice and you work. It's almost going back to gig work. You low pay because you're an entry level instructor, um, shadowing teachers, building up your clientele. So I had a year to decide if I wanted to commit to that. I did my training and, you know, hesitated and finally took that big jump, that big leap. And it's like, okay, this is it. This is what I'm doing. And then I threw myself into it and have not looked back. I've really enjoyed it. It's amazing
0: how a component of wellness can save you so much. It, it blows my mind because it happened to me. And it, in fact, I actually burned out one time because of diving a little bit too deep into the physical component of my wellness. So we don't have to go deep into that. Um, but it, it still has saved me because it's allowed me to just understand myself better and understand how I relate to others and how I can help others. And, and you know, our, our journey at Spark, now that um, you've been with us for a little while, too, is we've noticed that that can be possible in other avenues, too. But we all come to this, the table, at least the, the folks who are um, really integral to Spark right now, with the underlying um, the commonality that wellness saves who we are
1: yeah it does but I think it's also um a little bit of like a vision quest when you do it yeah. because nothing nothing is clear to you when you start and I know that the first year and a half I was in in my plan my body like I hadn't recovered from my injury um and you know while you're doing all this training you have to be able to do each exercise understand each piece of equipment demonstrate the exercise Guys, talk to you. so your your body is going through this rigorous training so that you can then share this information with other people. And I wasn't young <laughs> mm-hmm. I was I was in my mid early early thirty not mid thirties yet um but I was in my 30s after like having this injury And really, you know, when you do dance and you perform, you abuse your body to a certain extent. So it's not Mm -hmm. like I had healthy movement patterns unless I was with my Pilates instructor. And then I had to be focused and healthy about it. So there was a year and a half where I was exhausted and (laughs) sore every day. And so possibly overwhelmed that I didn't, there was a person that came to my class who heard me talking about how I became an instructor and she interviewed me um for this really cool article. I completely forgot I did that. I totally forgot I did the interview. I was doing SEO for my website. You know, you look up your name, you put in your hashtags and my name popped up for this article. It was like a fugue state. I don't remember the answers, but they were true. They were accurate. At first I thought someone was impersonating me. And I thought, <laughs> oh no, no, this is very true. This is, I did say this, no recollection. I don't know if it was in person. I don't remember if it was a phone call. I don't remember, but that's like the first two, year and a half, two years of just leaving and, and really jumping into this. So I don't consider it a burnout, but I consider it like a super, like a race. Like wow. I was racing, I think I was racing myself. Like, I don't know what I was running for. I don't know what I was running from, but I was in this, like, was it a marathon? It was a really long sprint.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think we put these, I don't know, tests or challenges or pressures oftentimes on ourselves um, when no one is really asking (laughs) for them. Yeah, Um, Myself included, like my first year, I only actually didn't, before founding Spark, I did not teach an entire full calendar year of fitness. I intended to do that, but it ended up being short because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, But my goal was to as quickly as possible, get to a place in that, in the year, (laughs) quote unquote year, um, where I was teaching as many classes as I possibly could, which equals as much money as I possibly could. And it was decent. It wasn't bad. And I then was teaching, I think 14 to 16 classes a week, plus doing four personal training sessions and did this other program. So like what, you know, what kind of It sounds like excellent accolades to have all that time that you have to spend exercising or empowering people, but it is also another form of burnout. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: we put all these things and these pressures on ourselves. um, And we were also taught, you were saying earlier how when you were in these corporate spaces, like it was kind of you doing that same thing, like, all right, I like need to sit at my desk for longer, not because my boss told me to, but I know it's going to make me a quote unquote, Mm -hmm. like better employee, even though it didn't get you that promotion, which Mm -hmm. I'm now upset about too. Um, (laughs) (laughs) good. Like, let's talk about the intersection of wellness in that space. Like this is Mm -hmm. obviously pre pandemic. Um, a Pilates class once a week or however much you were taking it wasn't going to save you. Cause you were doing that already. Like what,
1: what would have
0: made a difference for you in those time periods?
1: Honestly, probably the other people in the office. And mm. uh, I mean, some of my long, like my long-term friendships right now are like that are like three people that I met through work. And we were going through the same type of burnout. Same, we had the same personalities. We had other interests outside of work. So it wasn't as if we were identifying ourselves by our career specifically, but we were yeah. achievers. So yeah. we had these expectations of coming into these jobs. And if we achieved all of the tasks set before us, then we would move laterally, upwardly, but we would have traction. There was something. There would be something happening for us. Um, a lot of times people think that burnout is you know you're pursuing promotions and raises and, and and it's not even that it's just um acknowledgement of the, you know just someone saying you know you did a really good job or uh, they have these reviews reviews i think are pointless because the boss tells you oh i have to i have to give you this review mm. you know it's they kind of just like let you know i don't really want to talk about this this review is for the hr you know, this is for accounting, this is for whatever, it's not you. So when you realize that you're in this space, and no one is looking at you as an individual or a person, and everyone else around you is also not an individual or person, we're just these commodities that are being brought into these spaces. And that's it, that's all we are. I think that that's when a seed is planted, and you just can't get out of that thought process. Mm. Um, And, you know, just it, they have like happy hours and the happy hours don't do anything like just understanding of people's lives um and I see that now like post-pandemic post-pandemic we're still in it but like post-pandemic <laughs> work life um you see these CEOs making these statements about like well you got to come back you got to come back hardcore and I'm like this is, the, this is the mess that we were in before this isn't changing anything we've gone through this really big deal in the world really big situation. And you're still commodifying us. You're not looking at us as human beings. And so I think then, as in now, if someone just said, you're a person, and I respect your time, and, I, you know, everything that you're doing is great, you know, you. it's also the generation of like, well, you're paid to show up, like, this is your <laughs> job, you're paid to do it. It's like, that's fine. I'm not asking for you to say, you're amazing. You know, you're the best person for this job or anything. But I came in because of pressure from my boss a day after Hurricane Sandy. Like went to the office, everything was shut down, and the boss was calling me. And it was, and I totally forgot about this until I wrote my piece about burnout. My one of my co former coworkers, who is now a very close friend, reminded me. She's like, "Yeah, I remember when we had to come in after Sandy?" Wow. Yeah. How how could you even do that? Yeah, exactly. We, I was the first time I took a bus over the Brooklyn Bridge and it was, we, we all had, Oh God, I remember this. Um, I lived in an area of Brooklyn where we didn't have the power outage. We didn't have flooding. So I had to walk two avenues down because there were buses and they were announcing these buses can take you in. They were taking hospital workers, like hospital workers and kids. (laughs) necessary employees they were taking like essential workers and they were announcing it and so I had to look up this bus go take a bus and my husband came with me he was like I'm not letting you go on your own and also we didn't have any wi-fi so he's like can I use the office wi-fi um (laughs) so so I we took a bus And it went from my area of Brooklyn, all the way across the Brooklyn Bridge. It dropped everyone off at uh, 20th street. And then I had to walk 20 blocks to my office and it was a ghost town. It was, I'd never seen the city like that. It looked just like a zombie movie. Um, uh, And it was dark, half the Mm -hmm. city had no power. And I walked and I got there. And by the time we got there also because cell phone towers weren't the best, she, you know, my friend and I and a couple of other people, we didn't get the notice from the higher up saying, "Oh, you guys don't have to come in after all." Oh, yeah, interesting. This was, but this was after we got an office email saying that we had to go in. So things like that, where it's like, and we could, we could have, re, re, you know, worked remotely. It was not important. Right. It was a fashion job, like it, right. it, was, it was photographed. Photographs, archival, photo. we didn't need these photographs immediately. These photographs were not saving lives. But the peer pressure to like come in and, and just show yourself at your desk so that another person could say, I did my job and made everyone come in, you mm-hmm. know, and now everyone's in and we're all sitting here and waiting. It's stuff like that, that, yeah, it's that vicious cycle. And that's that's actually very motivating for me because I still work with people who tell me about it. And I think a lot of what I do in training and coaching is helping people get into their bodies, get the stress out of their bodies and understand that there are other options. You know, I'm not a life coach, so I'm not telling people what to do, but I am also, I share my story a lot more than I thought I did. (laughs) And, you know, I talk about steps, And I think that something that you said that I I didn't answer the first time. is like, what steps did you take and how did you do that? Um, There's a big thing of status that we hold around our jobs and what equals status and why is status important? And I think in taking that leap and jumping ship, you kind of have to let go of the concept of status. You know, like what gives you status? What gives you like, what brings you into a certain level of class? Like, you have to just drop it and let it go and really understand who you are as a human being um and get out of that like that block you know but it, it's very hard to do that because we are so trained and it is so ingrained in us that we have to do things you know mm-hmm. there's the we have to and i should be that i think block a lot of us from really understanding you know what the possibilities are
0: um as you were talking, it all just reminds me of the TV series Severance on Apple mm-hmm. TV. And um, which if if you haven't watched it yet, anyone who's listening, like you should do that. It's terrifying, but informative. And also the last episode is the best episode of TV I have ever seen. And that I feel like is saying something because I've I watched some good series. Um, um, And then it also makes me think of this idea of humanness in the workplace and how important it is just to simply acknowledge that there are humans who are working around you. Um, And I think there's this like added challenge when you're doing remote work um, with figuring out how to identify that humanness. And um, to be totally honest, you know, Kit uh, has been working with us like almost a year now, which is kind of wild um I have never met Kit we have never physically met um and like that's one of the most amazing things about virtual work and I think it's so important to to remember that I wouldn't have met Kit if I hadn't opened up um our job offering to anyone in the country um and I am so grateful for having done that and at the same time, like there's a part of our relationship that maybe hasn't been fully solidified because we haven't had the opportunity just to like be in the same room together and and have, you know, just one-off random conversations, which now we get to do um, via podcast for all of you. Um, but I think this, this makes me like, obviously your story is so important and, and is so like integral, like your experience to what's happening with so many folks that we want to serve, that we're trying to serve. Um, And unfortunately, like the system failed you. It did not work out for you. Um, And it's not your fault. It is the system's fault and what was there. So my question to you, because I know you spend a lot of time like reflecting on this and digging into the research and what's out there. And um, what is, what is the future of work looking like? How does wellness how is wellness involved in that future of workspace?
1: Well, I think the gatekeepers are really trying to fight what is actually going to happen. They yes. are so resistant to where people are actually taking things. They're not listening, um, and they're seeing the data and they're trying to ignore it. And it's fast. That's that in itself is just fascinating for me to see. But the future work from what I've seen, um, who I've interacted with, the research that I've done—I'm um, constantly reading things about you know, burnout and remote work and where things are going. It's definitely going to be hybrid, and it's going to be hybrid by choice. Um, I think companies are going to have to adapt to having larger scale—a uh, larger scale approach to employees. And, you know, you have the people who can choose to go into the office. There are people who thrive off of that. They want that interaction. You have people who do well when they're at home. And that is eventually going to become this catalyst of employee understanding. So the employers Mm -hmm. will finally, they're going to fight it. They are currently fighting it right now. I was just reading a Healthline media article talking about like the state of well-being and oh yeah during the pandemic people started understanding self-care and well-being but inflation is coming and what do we do and I was thinking why are you tying money into wellness and self-care it has nothing to do with money if you actually understand wellness and self-care it's very personal it's very individualized it's what you decide it is if you want to pay to go to a class then that's your choice and if inflation is coming, it's up to you what you do with that. But why are we reading these larger scale articles about inflation is coming? It's like the doom, you know, the doom and gloom. They're trying to put that out there and scare people that, mm-hmm. you know, save your money. You can't take care of yourself anymore. And so I feel like that's part of a trend of, you know, them trying to get employees to understand Well, you need to work, you need to make money to avoid the inflation trap and as someone who survived the 2008 recession in Mm -hmm. my early working years, you'll be okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, We're smart. We can make smart money choices. And you, you know, now that there's virtual fitness and virtual wellness, you don't have to spend all your money going to a studio. If you don't want to, there's so many options. There are free platforms. There are, um, I mean, just plans that you can do. So, what I see is like, it's definitely going to be a hybrid model. People are going to start taking better care of themselves and the companies will catch up eventually. But the individual employee, I think, has a lot more um, autonomy and a lot more understanding of what they need. And so we're yeah. smarter than they give us credit for.
0: Yeah. No, I think people have, were pushed in the pandemic to reflect on what was important to them. And we're seeing that more and more just alive and in our Everyday environment, which is fantastic, and I get to have more in-depth conversations with everyone um, when I talk about the work that we do at Spark. And everyone has something to say. Every single person has something to say about wellness, whether it's about their wellness or their work or etc. Um, what is interesting, though, and and you like touched on this a little bit, is that you know, I mean, employers are not putting themselves in the driver's seat completely, right? Um, they're letting employees kind of decide what they need on their own slash like saying we have, to, you know, we got to be stringent because of, I just call it the R word now for recession, but, you know, <laughs> but what I am hearing from um, people teams and HR teams is that their budgets are getting more and more stringent because that is always where things get cut first other than, you know, firing people, which we're also mm-hmm. seeing. Um, and I predict that we're about to head, it, you know, if this is really true, if those budgets are really going to get cut, I predict that we're going to see huge changes in the which businesses actually went out. Because there will be some companies that continue to put their resources in people, and those people will feel seen they will feel well, they will be productive, they will be happier, and they will stay longer, which means higher ROI. Mm -hmm. And then there are other organizations that will have cut those things. People will be frustrated, they will leave, they will be burned out and be less productive, they will have more sick days, et cetera. And those businesses are going to really hurt. Now, of course, there'll be plenty of people in between, but Mm -hmm. do you... I mean, that I think to me, like that's the most like economic, important conversation around like money and wellness, which I hate. I I wish we didn't have to put a put so much um, emphasis on the intersection of capital, capitalism and wellness. But um, unfortunately. Wellness is not democratized yet, so we're not quite there. Um, What do you think about all that that intersection?
1: it kind of goes into what my job actually was when I was working in the corporate space is it was a lot of education of you know educating people on programs so my feelings were always like do the work before so that when a program is released or made available people have an understanding of what it is and by that I mean I don't Think we're going to have a big change in how we look at wellness and self care until we integrate that into how we educate children.
0: Mm-hmm. So that mm. it
1: starts from you know that age moving on to so that the there's this understanding of like wellness is you know taking care of myself beyond the steps of like bathing, brushing your teeth, <laughs> washing your hair. Like what are these things? And you know, kids. I mean, I made a lot of changes in how I approached movement when I was in college, and I had these amazing educators, these professors who were professionals who were adjuncting for the semester and just sharing their life experience so that I would look at that and, you know, hopefully understand what they were trying to communicate and get that broader picture. It, it's it's just really You know, I'm teaching in a space or in an area right now where it's not a coastal city. There's not access to like studios and spas and juice bars and all the things that we're used to getting in a larger city. So the people who are making the choices to go to the gym, to go to a yoga studio, to go to a Pilates class, I give them a lot of credit because they don't have the support here. These are different yeah. companies. These are different businesses. They don't get the wellness stipend that a lot of companies get. Um, they don't have people coming in and saying, we can bring in yoga after work. It's just not right. available here. So there's the impetus and there's the drive that every person has, and they take those steps to do it. And I think encouraging that by seeing younger people I mean honestly like younger people right now are just fascinating and amazing and they're making these big changes and I hope they start you know they they voted <laughs> so now mm-hmm. they need to talk about wellness more like what they need to do for themselves and I want us you know I'm not in like I'm not a boomer <laughs> and I'm not a gen xer I'm like an older millennial mm-hmm. um, and I like to encourage uh the, my younger comrades to like take care of yourself and I hope that sharing that can help but i guess long long story not so short circling back like we just really need to support the education of like what is wellness and what do we do with it and what does that mean truly like take out the capitalist perspective of how it can make you money and understand that wellness you know includes making yourself a cup of tea and like looking at the sunset and that is an idea of wellness
0: All right, I want us to wrap up. I'll state one thing to go beyond where you just were though. Um, And because I was in education, because I also got my master's in education, I do think that we are starting to teach kids more of what, I don't want to use the word self-care, but I think self-care is probably the best word in this moment, Um, what self-care looks like. And Mm -hmm. that's in the social emotional learning curriculum. The problem is is it's you can't teach something that you yourself aren't valuing. And that's yeah. a huge reason why I started in Spark at the beginning to help teachers understand that um, and why we've opened up to provide employee wellness because um, education doesn't have the funding to actually make that a priority. And that's why we're using kind of this um, capitalistic mindset of bringing in other employers that do have the money to help actually provide that to educators. So anyway, thank you for letting me get to my why again. (laughs) It's been a minute. Um, I want to ask one quick thing and then we can kind of close out. Um, what is something that you are doing today to tap into your own wellness? Something that might be helpful or inspiring for folks?
1: I make the time to do something that has absolutely no purpose beyond bringing me relief and joy. Hmm. So crafting and not trying to sell it. Cause that's, I think that's the place that I came from, which is like, Oh, it came out really well. It's it's going on my resume. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's in my portfolio I got to have a meeting with someone about how great this craft project came out. So I have now started making a very concerted effort to do something that has no purpose beyond just giving me 20 minutes of joy and pleasure.
0: Love that. Love that. Kit, if people are interested in reaching out to you and chatting more about this topic or learning more about what you do, where can they find you?
1: Wow, they can definitely find me on the Spark This Day app. <laughs> mm. uh, but I also have a website, PilatesDojo.com. And, you know, I spend a lot of time sharing information. So it's it's not just me talking. I love to connect people and groups and just kind of broaden the tools that we have. So you can either sign up for my newsletter email me directly i am writing more frequently and trying to pass information and send people along to things so pilatesdojo.com or you can google me and find my old imdb page
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna have to do that you should check it out i love it, I love it. also find that q a article at some point
1: <laughs> yeah oh you totally just look it's it's on yeah i think you should just look at my name and it'll show I'll up find that. We'll yeah find it. it'll be there
0: um, well, Kit, thank you so much for being here and chatting with me today. It's been such a pleasure, always, always, but really great to be able to share this also with
1: um, the audience.
0: So thank you.
1: Yay, thank you for having me.
0: Uh, well, awesome. Thank you so much for listening to Capital P and People Work. Family, we'll catch you next time with a whole new conversation on the intersection of people, wellness, and the future of work. Until then, make sure to rate our podcast and share it with your favorite people people.